This is One Heat Minute. Drop of a hat, these guys will rock and roll. What's your name? Wayne Grove. Look like gangbangers working the local 7-Eleven. Robbery homicides take you. Give me all you got! Listen. Give me all you got! I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best. I'm trying to stop guys like me. A podcast dedicated to all 170 minutes of Michael Mann's LA crime opus Heat, one minute at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to One Heat Minute. I'm your host, Blake Howard, and this is a very special bonus episode of One Heat Minute because we are going to talk about and debrief on everything that was the tremendous Tribeca Festival 4K restoration screening of Michael Mann's Heat. that happened in New York City on the 17th, their time, and uh, in person. Originally scheduled was going to be Mr. Michael Mann. Unfortunately, he had COVID, so he wasn't able to be there in person. But he did send a little video along which confirmed two things. One, that he was well. He was really well. He was just, you know, he didn't want to infect anyone else. And the second bit was, and this is uh, for one of my guests particularly, that he was shooting from a rooftop in Italy where he was preparing Ferrari, the film ah, he's had in development for 20 ah, yeah. years. He shot it live from Italy. The terracotta roof tiles behind him verified it. So it's extremely exciting, although it was disappointing not to have Mr. Man there in person. So tremendous to see that he was in Italy. I am, of course, it would not be a one heat minute talking, uh, coming back without two of the men that I can say safely had everything to do with this entire project existing. Uh, one of them is joining us uh, over the airwaves. He is a trailblazer uh, of everything internet movie news. And, you know, his very consensual sexcapades make all of those unconsensual ones of all those trailblazers that now have been cancelled pale into insignificance. He is one of my favorite human <laughs> beings in the world and one of my dearest friends, Mr. Garth Franklin. Say hello. Hello. That's hell of an intro. <laughs> and also a man who doesn't know why he's here. And still, <laughs> he's he's really like the Walter to my The Dude when it comes to this show. Um, and uh, he's just really one of my favorite people. One of Sydney's uh, greatest uh, film minds and one of Sydney's greatest film Twitter trolls. He is Stu Coot. Say hello, mate. Hello. This is like... Um sort of the George Lucas special edition. <laughs> this was meant to just be every minute of the film and now you keep going back and finding excuses to do just add a little bit more or tinker a little it's bit. It's just a little something, something, <laughs> yeah, but it, right? You give is this people... one of the good ones or one of those like dodgy Cloud City shots? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, this is this is actually like the restorate, like a nice restoration clean print, all the clean print yeah. stuff they did. You're not, it's re- not, you're not putting Jabba back I'm not in. Putting, this is not putting Jabba back, uh, we can safely say. This is the McClunky edition. So rather than <laughs> debriefing with these guys off air about the event, I thought I would talk to them here because you know the, the coolest thing is like getting the questions and trying to process it um for me it was an absolutely unbelievable couple of days and such a quick jaunt i think it was on the ground probably less in new york than i was in the air or in transit um to get there uh this was kind of feels like a like a a real capper, a real topper to everything that happened with One Heat Minute because obviously there was a whole raft of celebrations that were going to happen the year after One Heat Minute had ended and I'd planned to be, and I don't know if I've talked about it on a podcast, but you guys know, like I'd planned to be LA trip. I was going over there to see all of our amazing characters that had been a part of the show, you know, the Travis Woods of the world and the Jordan Harpers and just like basically the, the key One Heat Minute family, Jen Johans was going to make her way up. All these key people who'd been such a big part of everything that we did um, we'd arranged a bunch of stuff to go catch up with a lot of those folks in LA. And then obviously the pandemic happens. And then for basically a couple of years, that's no longer possible. So when this screening came around and the amazing and generous and life-changing mensch that is Bill Gatibiri was going to be hosting, um, I sort of facetiously initially was like, I'm going. Yeah, if you if you can get a ticket, <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> sort of like, I, I was like, I'm going. I just said it like out loud, I'm going. And then what happens, just like some things when I say I'm going to do them, yeah immediately the family that we've created online around this film and around this project were like, if you're deadly serious about going, I'm going. And Jordan Harper, again, Bilga had said that he could get me a ticket, but Jordan bought two tickets immediately and said, if you're deadly serious, I'm going because I want to sit with you when we yeah. watch this movie yeah. together. So that's how it materialized. I didn't think it was going to happen. 
And um, well, he pays for every time heat screens in the world anywhere you get tagged in it anyway. So it's sort of a nice. Maybe this will see see an end to all of that. Maybe, maybe. I doubt it because I'll still be tagging you. <laughs> yeah. Just just write it off as a business expense. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mel Five in like Lagos, Nigeria, or something. <laughs> all, all, all those things. Ah, oh, San Sebastian Film Festival yeah. sounds. Oh, can sounds lovely in the European summer. But so anyway, um, all that being said. There was a screening of Heat that was coming up. Bilga was going to be going. And then what made it almost the most salivating thing for us is, and you guys know this better than anyone, is um, obviously we'd spoken to Mr. Man and hoping that he was going to be there in person is an amazing thing. And like, great, let's, it'd be great for an opportunity to see him live and, and potentially meet him. But also there was like a big blind spot. Obviously Pacino and De Niro, they are amazing. But also Art Linson as an entity. Yeah. Uh, the producer, you know, who originally saw... Michael Mann's final heat script that he'd crafted post LA kick takedown. He kind of got it out. He was happy. He was almost ready to discard it and move on to the next project. And famously Michael Mann credits him with being the guy that said, no man, you have to direct this thing. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so having the prospect of Bilga with those guys in New York city, it was just like the perfect storm. And why not like, like everyone during the pandemic said, Oh, we've got to, like, when this is over, I'm going to Hawaii. When this is over, I'm doing the, I'm going, I haven't done anything. I haven't left Sydney. <laughs> I've, barely, I've, I've barely left my Dude, house. He's, <laughs> and I'm, sort of like, I'm, in a, I'm in a COVID bubble. He went yeah, up there yeah, around the world in a there. week. I've, in a COVID I bubble as we up speak. the road so, to the shops. It's like the universe was saying, look, this is like a line. It's yes. like we're through it. Like I think like sort of knock on wood for the yeah. most part. But it um, is sort of a beautiful thing that you're able to do. It was amazing. Mm. And so... I planned this insane trip. I just started a new gig, um, a new a day job gig. And I literally on my first day, you know, signed up, got there, spoke to my boss for the first time and said, hey, I've actually planned to leave. <laughs> I, planned. I didn't bring this up in the interview. <laughs> um, it actually materialized after the interview, but I was like, oh, I've got a couple of days off. And they're like, yeah, totally fine. Like great place to work. So they were totally fine. And my boss is great. And they're like, yeah, awesome. Two days. What's that? Like, who cares? Yeah. You're back at work on Monday. So it all materialized. And then it sort of snuck up on me. And then, you know, this whirlwind trip happened. And so I went to New York and I got to meet so many amazing people um, that had been a part of it. You know, the big members of the One Heat Minute family that I got to see. And I'm so devastated I couldn't see the sort of it, most of the LA clan. But, you know, Jordan Harper's and Sean Burns and... Bilga Abiri, of course, and I got to stay with Bilga, which was, he, again, his generosity is just boundless. Did you meet the cat? Um, no, unfortunately, <laughs> Bilga's old cat had passed, but oh. I've met his new cat. Oh. I did meet his okay. new cat. Okay. So it was sad. that was kind of sad. I, I originally saw the cat and I'm like, oh my God, is that the voice I've been hearing yeah. on my show? And Bilga had to tell me, unfortunately, their old cat passed, which is devastating, but they just got a new cat. So, um, that, so I stayed with Bilga and his family, which is great in Brooklyn and New York and Got to meet up in person finally with the great artist Brianna Ashby, who did our heat art, a new heat artwork that I commissioned in secret, like with in preparation for this, and also because I want to finally get a heat tattoo. Um, and I was like, I'm, if I'm, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to get Brianna to do a new piece of art. So I met Brianna, met Sean in person, met Jordan in person, finally met uh, met up with Dave Fear, who's the editor of Rolling Stone. He wasn't on our original One Heat Minute, but he was on Zodiac Chronicle. Um, got to catch up with Connor O'Donnell from the B-side and the film stage, a great podcaster and a friend of now everything that we do. And I got to meet up with the youngin, Manfax, who's yeah. keeping the internet alive <laughs> with Michael Mann adjacent ridiculousness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and I was good, you know, it was a bit of like a, uh, you know, it was a bit of like a Padawan yeah. Jedi master. And I was like, I love what you, I just yeah. like, I have to, I have to say this on real. I was like, I, lo I love what you do. Just I love keep, you kids. I'm like, you just keep being you kid. Like you're like me, like 20 years ago. So he's a really sweet kid. And, uh, yeah, so it was amazing to catch up with those guys. That was my first night over there. And then the next night, which is, I guess is the most important is, or well, the next day rather is jumping in a car with Mr. Bill Garibiri suited up in my gray suit and white shirt because I was dressed as Neil McCauley sure. for the night. Bit of cosplay. As right. you do. As you do. Um, drove to Tribeca Festival. Got driven into, uh, you know, behind the barricades up uh, up in northern Manhattan. And uh, we're actually in Washington Heights. It's at the big, it was at the big theater there that's just been redone. And I think mm -hmm. Lin-Manuel Miranda's actually had a hand in the restoration of this big, beautiful theater up in Washington Heights. Plays a song every time you open the door. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like on the latest Bluey where a horse sticks his head yeah. in and it's Lin-Manuel Miranda is voicing it. But so we went there, I went into the green room and um, as you guys would imagine, there's a level of surreality when you walk in. Now you've met some people. Uh, yeah. In this journey, in your yeah. film journey, you've met 
you know, the You've done interviews with some pretty world. big names before, yeah. Yeah. Who would you have said in person was the biggest sort of star in your world that you've met? All I can say is like, um, you know, and to use a parlance of an, a podcast that we listen to, you know, a rugby league mm. podcast, the, of the regular punters and dribblers that are my mates, yeah, like just non-film people, the fact that I've met Quentin Tarantino, mm. like forget any actor, you know, meeting a, like a Russell Crowe on the red carpet, a Man of Steel yeah. or whatever, like Brad, you see the Brad Pitt, what was it? Whatever. None of those people compare to Tarantino. Like people are just freak out when yeah. I say Tarantino. Yeah. That's the, that's the yeah. one. They're yeah. like, I can't believe you met that yeah. person. Yeah, that's fair. And so like, and then the other, the film geeks are like, of course, Michael Mann or like Guillermo del Toro or something like yeah. that. They freak out for those, but like Tarantino, number one, hands down, yeah. that's the guy until this point. So walk us through it. So I go in there <laughs> and Bilger, Bilger is there meeting up with all of the great Tribeca staff. And we meet, firstly, we get to, uh, at the time, I think De Niro, uh, Pacino and Linson are all on the stage at, this, at the theater doing a Today Show segment. And we're in the green room and Jane Rosenthal, who's Robert De Niro's partner and the, run, uh, the person who runs mm -hmm. Tribeca Film Festival, she comes down, amazing. We get introduced to her which is really brilliant. And, um, you know, Bilger even introduced myself to Jane and she was very shocked and, uh, and like in awe of the fact that I'd come from Sydney. Yeah. <laughs> and, and secondly, she's like, yeah, they, and yeah, they Bilger like was that. like, he's the biggest heat fan in the world. And he even made a podcast and she was just like, Oh my God. She was, <laughs> she was a bit blown away by and, it. And he can juggle. <laughs> yes. and, and right now he's doing handstand yeah, pushups. Yeah. He does it all. He does it all. And so that was really cool. And to meet her and she's just, you know, a, a pretty, um, formidable woman as far as like the Tribeca festival and it's expanding and growing and being all about storytelling in a lot of different forms. So it was really cool to see, to meet her. But then like, uh, Linson walks downstairs and a similar process happens. Like you kind of get introduced, but then the guys walk in the room and De Niro, I don't know if it's like the greatest casting choice ever, but De Niro's like aging into Neil McCauley. Yeah. And Pacino's yeah. aging into Vincent Hanna. Like they are like, that is their, per like Michael Mann saw that like the inner workings of these people are actually my yeah. characters. Yeah. And so De Niro <laughs> is what you'd expect. He sat down with his family. He's sitting down on a couch, just, you know, chilling out. Like how many people are in the room at this stage? Well, on, on the De Niro side, so where I'm standing, I'm with Bilger, Bilger's wife, Bilger's son. And is Bilger it a big room, by the way? Sorry? Is it a big room? Yeah, like quite a, a big room, big spacious yeah. room, like way bigger than like a normal lounge room. Like a, you know, like you're talking like two massive lounge rooms adjacent okay. to one another. Is like a bar? Your, Has it got a bar? Or no, a couple or a... of couches okay. around, and then they break off into the actual individual dressing rooms. But this is kind of like a breakout right. central okay. room. Yep. So the yeah. dressing rooms go off, but the main green room is just one central room. So on the left, like in the door that you come or you go to the stage or come from the stage. Um, over in there, there's like a corner of the couch and a bunch of people. And it's like De Niro and his family. So he comes down and sits with them first. And there's another couch for a few management people, a lot of Tribeca staff, either they're working directly for Jane or they're like pottering around are kind of there. Pacino walks kind of straight through. And he was like the real first person that we got introduced to. Pacino walks up and like, he says hello to every person. Yeah. And so you're like, hi. And he's like, hi, hi. He just makes eye contact. Hi, hi. He says hello to everyone. But Pacino was kind of in the middle of it. Like he, so he, you sort of meet him and you're like, hi, hi, Mr. Pacino. Da, da, da. And then he's like kind of off and he went into his dressing room for yeah, a couple of minutes. Yeah. And so that was like, oh, okay, wow. And then the next minute, Bilger is introduced to Art Linson and introduces me. Bilger like takes me over to Art Linson and does the same thing that he's already done with Jane Rosal, which yeah. is like, oh, this is Blake Howard and he's got a podcast called One Minute, da, da, da. And we have a little bit of a chat. I'm like, it's an honor to meet you, da, 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 da. And then we actually had a bit of a chat. He's like, oh, I'm, my memory my memory of heat is like, you know, it's a long time ago for Mr. Yeah, Linson. He yeah, was like, yeah, it's a long yeah. time ago. Mm. And both both Bilger and I were like, but man credits you that this, it was you that gave the push. And I go, and there's actually documentary footage of like you being the guy that said you'd be a lunatic not to direct this thing. So it was kind of cool. Met him for a brief moment. Isn't it funny how we, it's like me with Star Wars. You yeah. remember every single anecdote <laughs> everything and they don't <laughs> yeah. they're like i know you because yeah, you went left and said they're going right on the highway that day don't you remember <laughs> like did i oh, kid i'm on oh, my bladder's going i don't remember yesterday so linson was well, like for very a lot of these kind of like i don't really like yeah he was for a lot like, of these producers like 40 films ago you know so yeah. exactly yeah so he he's he was like a little bit like oh my god like you know i i don't know how much more i can add to heat 
like in yeah, this context. Yeah, yeah. He was a bit like, mm, I don't know yeah. what I can add. Yeah. And Bilger's like, oh, you know, you know, Bilger was incredibly prepared and we'll get to the actual Q and A itself. But Bilger was incredibly prepared. Like Bilger did this amazing job. I actually worked with him. Like he, he'd prepped a bunch of questions and ran them by me and stuff yeah. and was literally pulling questions that would tee Art Linson up to anecdotes he wrote in his own memoir. Yeah. Just to make yeah. sure that yeah. it was a really, yeah. you know, conducive conversation yeah. because for yeah. anyone who, who's listening to this show, like Michael Mann is one of the greatest interviews of all time. Like if you do a bad interview with Michael Mann, you're bad at interviewing because he's a guy that you can give a nugget to yeah. And he will just take it. Like, and if he's prepared mm. for what you kind of, where you kind of want to go. Plus he respects if you've done the work. If you've like done if the work. If you turn up doing nothing, expecting him to do the heavy lifting, he's yeah. like, I'll blow you off the park. Yeah. 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 But so, you know, Bilger had had to adjust knowing that man wasn't going to be there. So he was working on that. And, you know, we had a little chat with that Linson and it was great. And then Bilger went over to meet Mr. De Niro. So it's like, you kind of, I was sort of standing there awkwardly watching Bilger. And it's so weird. Cause I'm like, what? First time for him, for Bilger meeting the, like... um, he'd done an interview with De Niro and Jane Rosenthal for a Tribeca festival a while back okay. for something yeah. else for either the Vulture or the Village Voice. And he said he'd met them, but it was in a junket. Yeah. So it wasn't like a, mm. not in a green room. We situation. weren't in a green room. Yeah. We didn't meet each other. We didn't go to dinner. It was just like, they were one after the other. Yeah. And so he's like, I don't know if they'll remember, but Jane kind of remembered Bill. She's like, we've met, have we met before? Like, she's like, we've met. So, you know, sort of like, and he goes, yeah, we've met like that one time for a Tribeca thing, but we haven't done anything like this. She's like, great. So they got to introduce. So he walks over to this couch and the sort of sea of De Niro's family parts and Bill goes over there just with him. And he's talking and I'm just like, wow, this is like, I was already blown away. Like if I didn't actually get to formally like shake his hand or meet him at this point, I'm like, this is a, like, it's already mentioned. You're in the room. You're in the room. It doesn't matter. I'm standing in a like, room that has these. And, and then while this is happening, Pacino comes back over and sits on another couch that's to my right with his assistant. And they're talking to a few people in the room. We started this. You started this podcast in Terrigal. Yeah. Like <laughs> on the central coast <laughs> on a lazy Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I know. You have no, you have no business <laughs> being no, there. I have, like, I have no business. Zero business. And also <laughs> I'm having to do everything, you know, my inside, my inside is I'm freaking out, but Wait, there's this thing that happens. Like it's like a stress reaction almost. I was just like, this is, I'm cool. And I couldn't have been less cool. No, you just go, I'm going to, I'm so committed to the bit. I'll just fake it from here, <laughs> waiting for security to come up and just tap me on the shoulder and go, oh, sorry, sir. We've made a grave mistake. <laughs> Please leave without any. Get out. Yeah. Like now. Yeah. Out. And you're so, in a high stress moment, so the imposter syndrome kicks in. Yeah, yeah. And you get big over time, it. big time. And so Bilga's over there, and then I see Bilga say gesture, and I sort of half hear him go, "Oh, can I introduce you to my family?" And Mr. Nero sits up off the couch and he goes, "Yeah, no worries." So he walks o- walks over. He's like, "Hi, this is my wife, Jeannie. Yeah, cool, great. It's my son, Errol. Errol's a very sweet kid. Bilga's family's lovely. They're amazing, and you know, hey, he's a sweet man. Like he's, it, he's hey, a, it comes off the screen." Everything. Yeah. He's just a beautiful man. Yeah. So he w- comes over and then he goes, but I, but now that you've met my family, I've got like, I want to introduce you to my, like a, a real special guest. Right. And he's like, this is Blake Howard. He's from Sydney, Australia. He came over here for this screening. And in fact, Mr. De Niro, he's done a podcast called one heat minute where they've done 180 episodes, more than one for every minute of the film, breaking the film down. And I, and then he shakes my hand and I'm like, it's an honor to meet you, Mr. De Niro. And he's just like, and Bilga's, as I'm shaking his hand, Bilga's explaining who I am. So he's looking at him and then looking back at me and he looks at him, looks back at me. And then he goes, huh, that's good. Like, just like, <laughs> yeah. and gave me yeah. the, De Ni- I can't describe it in yeah. any other way, except yeah. he gave me the yeah. De Niro face. Yeah. Those smiling <laughs> eyes. The smiling eyes. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. it was like I was in the dinosaur scene yeah. and he gave me a, um, you know, uh, better do something else, pal. Yeah. That yeah, look yeah. that he gave, yeah, like the better do something yeah. else, pal. And he gave me that face. And then he went off back to his family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I transported to another dimension. Yeah, yeah I just, uh, <laughs> I woke up in Sydney. <laughs> I actually was like, oh my God. And then Bilga had had more of an interaction with Pacino. So we're standing there and I just said to Bill, go like, I, I don't even know if I said it to him, but I was standing with him and his fa- his family went to go take their seats. And he goes, you want to hang around with me for a few more minutes and we'll try and get a little bit of one time with P- 
Chino. No, I'm good. And I'm I go, good. I'll be outside. I'm like, yeah, like, uh, yeah, no, I'm, and I, I go, I'll hang around. And I grabbed Bilga's bag as I was going to take it to where we were sitting on the night because we were sitting together. And mm-hmm. so I go there and then we were just about to talk to Pacino and there was one point and he pulls his phone out because he has to make a phone call and it is the Shrek Garth. <laughs> it's the Shrek phone case. <laughs> He's literally holding it and me and Bilga looked at each other and it was just like, it's the Shrek phone really? case. Like, it's the greatest thing ever. And so then he moved away. And so then I didn't know if we were going to get, like, a proper, again, like, one-to-one introductory thing with him. Mm-hmm. And it was really ramping up, getting close to time. And I said, look, I said, look, Bilga, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a burden anymore. Like, I'm, I'm yeah. fine. Yeah. And I, and I walked out into the crowd. I walked out of the green room and that was led yeah. through a backstage, side stage door out into the thing. And so we get in there and, you know, Sean Burns immediately clocks me. Connor O'Donnell immediately clocks me. We come and say hello. John Glynn, who's an amazing super fan and great dude, um, spots me. So I start seeing like the One Heat Minute family who've all turned up there. Jordan it happens to have seats next to ours and Bilga's family wasn't sticking around. So we were, it was going to be me, Bilga and Jordan sitting together in the screening. And so I was just kind of sitting down and, you know, talking to Jeannie Errol, I was talking to Jordan very briefly about it. And I think I tweeted out something, you know, I got to shake De Niro's hand and mm, get the face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I was just, it was, in a, it was a level of surreality that I can't explain. Like you, I know I'm looking at Stu's eyes right now and he knows how much this yeah. must mean. And I'm, yeah. and, and Gar, in Garth's voice, you just heard like, these guys know what this means to me. And I was just like in, it is unconscionable that that even happened. Yeah. And if someone told yeah. me that that was going to happen, I would not have believed them. But especially even if that was a screening that was happening here in Sydney. Yes. You wouldn't necessarily expect to get a ticket. No. And then even if you did, mm. you wouldn't expect to get to that. Like, you know, we've all seen sort of how the the PR sausage is made to a large extent. And at the end of the day, it's a fairly select few that usually go behind yeah. the scenes Dick, anyway. Dickie Wilkins. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, it's, uh, no, and it was no different. We had, you know, um, the Elvis premiere with yes. Tom Hanks on screen and you could see how, like, how well they're managed through the crowd, on the stage, behind and then gone and you you don't really get to see them. Their yes. time is so precious. Oh, yeah, all the team, and the team comes in and out of the country with them and they keep very tight controls. Exactly, yeah. And, and seeing that sort of stuff. For you to have this as, again, the the this is about the 17th victory lap now for you. Which is, it's, it's, it's getting slightly obnoxious at this point. That you're just, like, you know, that you keep getting these, like, like I, Michael Mann never does interviews for anyone. Oh, okay, I'll give you an hour. <laughs> like, all right. He never gives two interviews. All right, I'll do your other show as well. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Uh, that it's just one of the craziest things that's ever happened. And, and so then we get, into the the actual screening itself. And so this is a 4K restoration, even further tweaked than the director's definitive edition. It's more like a color grading and preparation for the 4K release, which coincides with the upcoming Heat 2 novel. In the lobby of the theater, they're giving out um, um, like reviewer copies of the novel. So anyone who was there now has a version of Heat 2. And at the time I didn't actually get one because I was in the green room Mm. and um, you know, so fortunately, like uh, I went there and Connor O'Donnell's lovely partner was there with him and she was just like, oh no, take mine. Like, I don't need, I got one on the way in, but like, if you don't have a copy, yeah. that's ridiculous. So she gave me her copy, which is amazing. <laughs> it's probably best you didn't get one going in because there'd be that stupid gnawing feeling of like, do I ask for the book to be signed? Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. and you're sort of glad that you don't because there was no, it was sort There's of no pressure, no pressure, but it's also more. Sort of personal. You don't want to be like, oh, I'm a super fan here. No. Like it, it means more just to be. Yeah, there. especially with those behind the scenes sort of ones. You don't want. They're not there no. to be signed stuff. That's yeah. No, That's no, no, no. Thing. Yeah, absolutely. And so we're there. We do that. We go to the screening. There's a lot been made of this Q and A, and so I just want to like, I'll, I'll like, I'll, we're going to get to the newsworthy item in just a second, but I'll just talk about the Q and A. The introduction happens. They come on stage. It's a bit of a wild crew, you know, like there are some Heat fans that are in the audience that are like screaming out quotes. There was this real weird contingent of women who were so unbelievably thirsty for Al Pacino that they just kept wanting to yell out and talk to him. And The great ass crew. (laughs) The great ass. I think it was team great ass or some kind of bachelorette great ass theme party. But it was like every comedian, you know, who has like drunk women hecklers 
It was like yeah. that, yeah. but for Pacino. And so, so it was like it was like the Magic Mike XXL screening, but Pacino. Yes, yeah, 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 like yeah. that. Except it was like much smaller contingent of like super weird. Fans. <laughs> yeah, just a fraction of the audience. Yeah, and you know, this is the thing. Bilger is then up there with, and these are the energy. So De Niro, who is very game to chat, but kind of takes his like Neil McCauley strong silent type role yeah. on these panels because Al is the theatrical anecdotal guy who just yeah. like feeds the off goof, him. Almost a goofy one. Now. Yeah. Like it's more, they play yeah, one plays yeah. a straight man, one plays yeah. the goof and they just fit perfectly together. Um, but Art Linson, when he was on stage, like all of the hard work, and I don't think this was appreciated at the time because it turned into a bit of a walk of wild Q and a, <laughs> but Bilger had done so much work to like, lay up these questions for for art and to get into anecdotes and linson almost said less than de niro like he yeah. was just very cagey said one or two things and kind of didn't get the format of these things where no this crowd is here for an hour we want to hear everything we yeah. want to hear stories we want to hear behind the scenes we want to hear this stuff we want to go through it because that's what heat fans want like the, we the podcast has sort of killed the q a and the like the short like when someone goes on the talk show now, like yes. they go on Kimmel or they go whatever and they give them the six minutes, it looks so painful now compared yes. to like the two and a half hour deep dive into someone's life that you, and that intimacy that comes with this sort of form. Yes. And that's what I think people have sort of been educated over the last like 10 years to get used to that sort of conversation. And now when you go to these Q&As, they're like, was it fun to make, not saying Bilger's doing this, but you go to a Q&A where they're like, was it fun to make the movie? Yeah. And no. they're like, yeah, it was yeah, good. Yeah. No, was the same with, that's why junket interviews are also a lot terrible these days because there's a the five minute get in, get out, ask you three questions and they're all as the same question. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm. And so Bilger did really what I would say is like kind of an amazing, like he did an amazing job at formulating great questions. And this is what I can say. I read them. Yeah. I, we, I, <laughs> he pitched them to me and I, and, and I watched him write great, the most layup questions. Like imagine going to someone's memoir of their own anecdotes yeah. and writing questions. Yeah. For Art Linson. yeah. And which is probably how it should be done. Should be done. Yeah. Right. He'd done the work. He'd read, he'd mm. read the heat Two novel. He'd watched heat, even though he's seen it a hundred times, watch it like the night before I came down, I can verify. Cause I was in his office on his couch and there was heat yeah. sitting next to his Blu-ray player. I watched him prepare go over his notes, really thorough, had millions of questions for all of the guys. And it kind of went all over the place. And so, you know, there was a couple of really phenomenal like insights that came out of it, but it was a bit loosey goosey because I think Linson was a guy who was like, he wanted to get off the stage after 20 minutes. He's like, oh, this is done. But then no, people had paid for an hour yeah. talk before the movie. Dance monkey dance. And, he, and, and Bill Good <laughs> unfortunately had to be the bearer of bad news on the live show and be like, uh, we still have like 30 minutes to yeah, go. Buckle up. And so they were trying to do it. And it, what happened is then they, he kind of got KG. De Niro was already himself and was kind of a bit like, you know, waiting for Bilger to ask him direct questions and which he did. Um, and then Al was kind of going off the rails and then the crowd was chiming in and then Al just kept reacting to the crowd. So, and in fact, it was like, it was the De Niro show, right? <laughs> now this is what I can say. Exclusive. Garth Franklin, one heat minute. Yes. Breaking. Mm -hmm. Breaking. Breaking news. The question about who should play the younger actors, who we, who could play them now, yeah. was a question I gave Bilga Ibiri Hello. before the show. Now I'm... Okay. <laughs> I, I need to be caught up here. Has, has something happened? I'll tell you. Okay. Please do. Bilga and I were talking questions. I said, oh, you should ask them who... And it wasn't even about who should play them in the sequel novel, prequel, sequel novel. Yeah. It was just of actors working today. Okay. Yeah. If you guys had the script, the you guys are filmmakers. Mm. All of them are yeah. on that panel had either directed and produced their own stuff. You're filmmakers. Bilga too. I've seen his earlier work. Bilga too. It's all right. It's true. Yeah, true. <laughs> of all of that, tell me who you would cast as Vincent Hanna and Neil McCauley. And the question got jumbled up because there were yell people yelling out at the same time. Anyway, so they finally clarified the question. That's what it was. Since then, Pacino answered. We'll tell the answer first and then I'll explain. He then, Pacino answered, oh, Timothy Chalamet. Now, people are taking this as gospel. I'll tell you how he said it. Oh, how about Timothy Chalamet? He's a good actor. And he did this face like, what a... 
aren't you guys all so fucking embarrassing <laughs> that you would think he's an actor of a caliber of us? And he just didn't say that, but everything about his expression and everything there, he said it as a joke and the audience howled with laughter. Over, the- over, under. How many Timothy Chalamet movies has Pacino seen? Zero. He literally heard the name on the internet and was like, oh, he's a good actor and laughed, yeah. right? And right. then he gave another like thing and he goes, he then says, which a lot of people are forgetting in their reporting or just omitting because they weren't there and I was right there. He then goes. And this is a man you've met. By and the a way. man I've met. <laughs> so he can vouch for him. And, I, and a man who. And I met the guy and helped pitch the question <laughs> that caused this fracas in the first place. And then he goes. He goes. And maybe for Neil, we should get Harry Styles because Bob's a great singer and yeah. dancer. <laughs> I can just see you cut to the De Niro face of like. And De Niro was shaking his. My De Niro life. shaking his head with a smile like this guy. Like this is why I don't drink with this guy anymore. <laughs> <laughs> These guys were boys, and he said it exactly like that. It was a troll. Yeah. It was yeah. a joke. Yeah. Anyone who is now doing this, and it's not just patently ridiculous. I haven't seen any of the Harry Styles as Neil McCauley memes yet. Get on that mm. internet. It was a joke. But also, isn't this like an indictment of where we are? Like, yes. like literally anything that falls from their lips... I like, oh yeah. Like the, the outrage is dialed up. We are ready, like we're and 700 words into a think piece about Chalamet. It, oh. and it Get screen handled it. And oh. it was, and Garth would have seen it, right? Because Garth's in the trenches yeah, yeah. every day. Garth would have seen how many stories were written. Write the story, Garth. The, the question from Bilger was something that I, and Bilger will verify this, was something that I helped. That was the thing. I, saw your, I saw your tweet. Uh, where you shot it down, I'm like, okay, yeah, it, 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 no one will pick this up. I saw one outlet had picked it up, but that was about it. And I'm like, then within 24 hours, it's in like Variety and in all the other things. And you're like, Jesus it's ridiculous. <laughs> it was a troll and it was hilarious because what Pacino was showing everyone with this was, I know how stupid all of the people who are going to pick this up and run it as a story is because everyone in this room knows that I'm taking the absolute piss out of Timothy Chalamet because why would I respect any new actors really? <laughs> like yeah. it's <laughs> And he's like, and then he even the, the, the kicker is going oh, and Harry Styles. Cause Bob's such a great singer and dancer. And De Niro just shook his head. And I think I heard Sean Burns howl as l- l- much yeah. as me and Jordan were howling. <laughs> yeah. We sat next to each other. Yeah. Sean howled. Yeah. It was hilarious. Yeah. I, I want to know what the, what the Pacino girls thought. Yeah. I mean, they were hooting and hollering. They, no wouldn't, be able to, they wouldn't be able to take that. Like if you <laughs> put oh in a God. young Chalamet in there to just oh. chum in the water. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a hilarious troll and a topper on what was ended up being quite a chaotic, but chaotic fun Q and a, um, and I, and I did see some people online talking about, Oh, it was this, it was that, oh, it was. And I, and I just, for those who criticized it, the the energy of the entire thing, what I think a lot of people will dismiss is that Michael Mann chose Bilga to be this person, to do this Q&A because of how good Bilga is. Michael Mann at that Q&A would have delivered all the things that we know that Michael would have done. Yeah. And, yeah. and, 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 and in fact... He probably I, would have... He would have had about 38 minutes wait, of conversation. Wait, yeah. I can't read this out online, oh. but I'm going to show you some of the talking points that Mann oh. had developed. These are the notes. From Michael Mann, extensive research on background characters for experiential human narratives, effective dimensions achieved by the 4K mastering process. Doesn't mention me once. Preparatory training (laughs) regimens and then casting. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. there's huge things that I've seen. I don't think you're about. I don't think you're about. Garth can't see what we're looking at, but I will send it to Garth too, so so you know. But this is like these are the sorts of things that man would have wanted to espouse and it would have happened for a long time. And those guys who ended up having to play first fiddle, right. Or first banana would have been playing second banana to Michael man doing all of the stuff that we wanted to hear and real, like the real heat diehards in the audience would have wanted to hear. And again, being a director and wrangling those guys, because no one is better at wrangling their personalities than men. And sometimes taking the Mickey out of them on stage, if De Niro's too quiet or if Al's too flamboyant. Mm. And so Mm. it's a completely different energy. So what I want to say is it was a phenomenal Q and a for what, 
what it was. And Bilga did an amazing job. And anyone who thinks otherwise, you know where to find me. Um, he did an amazing job under the circumstances. And also, also, you're sick of seeing De Niro and Pacino live. Like, what are we like? Uh, how, how many times are you going to do that? Where, yeah, exactly. like, oh, I'm so over this. Not another Pacino and De Niro live performance. It's just like, shut up. Stop. It just stop. And it was just like. <laughs> And also you can't control the crazy energy that was in that crowd. Like most like stuffy uh, film festival Q and A's that the three of us have been to, the crowd's very demure. I don't know if it's more of an Australian thing, but it's like, they're very demure. It doesn't sound like a nightclub. This thing sounded like a nightclub. Like it's like yeah. people were yelling out quotes yeah, yeah, yeah. and things like that. And Pacino was half hearing them. And, and you ever seen them when they no, did it's, those, it's, they did American like, audiences are more like that. They, yeah. They like they, they yeah, they get thing, right yeah. into it. But if you guys ever seen like, those um like when they do the reunions like the godfather reunion mm. and they do like godfather yeah. one and two where they're on the couch yeah and there's other people standing and like james khan doesn't know why he's there robert devour's <laughs> like and none of them know like and then they start like having a chat between each other and it just devolves into this like catch up it's yeah. they're, they're not giving you this performance that you think you're going to get at the q a yes and yeah. so at the end of the day i was in a room after being in a much smaller room, but I was in a huge room watching those guys do their thing and it was joyful. Yeah, like th th that'll mm -hmm. be a, only so many thousands of people ever will experience what you've experienced in that, like that yeah. way. Yeah. And and so then they played the 4K movie and he, pretty good. When's it due? August 9th. Okay. August 9th, I think locally and internationally mm -hmm. now available on a bunch of pre-orders. There's a really great Best Buy steel cover case that has the best cover I've seen so far, yep. um, which right. uh, the great Jen Johans, who's a friend of the show and a dear friend, um, is pre-ordering for me because I said I can't have any other copy that's not that steel case, so yeah. I want it. Yeah. Um, so if you're in the States and you're listening to this, Best Buy, I've got that one on pre-order, so get on that. Um, but it is now more widely available, I think, internationally. So you can guys can, you know, everyone who's listening to this is either A, probably pre-ordered it or B can and it, it coincides with the release of heat too so you could literally go to your local mm -hmm. you know wherever you go whether it's a local bookstore indie bookstore or you know whatever and you could get those things at the same time and in yeah. your hands have your new 4k yeah. transfer of heat and your book at the same time so that's gonna that's how that's gonna work but um watch the 4k transfer it was amazing um again the sound is absolutely phenomenal. It looks phenomenal as well. There's a couple of color grading things. And this is what I said to a few people. They're like, is this your favorite version of heat? And I think we three have now seen the 35 mil print of yep. heat. Yep. And yeah, yeah. the 35 mil print, which is on the original Warner brothers Blu-ray is still my favorite because for whatever flaws that man felt that it had tightening up a couple of frames or, you know, recolor grading something or color timing, it's, it's that uncanny valley thing that I have of this relationship with this movie, which is anything that is different from that 35 mil print. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, this is a fake. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm like, it's a great yeah. forgery, but it's not my, and ultimately it is my favorite. Um, but, but it's, you're talking with a lot of these nineties movies that get the remaster for the 4k discs. Some of them are, it's, it's revelatory how much mm. the an improvement it is. Like Batman returns is a movie where, it's you go watch that 4k compared to what you had before mm. it's a completely different movie and it's yes. so much better it's like basic no basic question. instinct was like that as well it looked really yeah. good yeah yeah and uh and but, so, but what's, what's the difference here you said it's just color grading on no he's things. he's so the it's the director's definitive edition the everything mm. looks phenomenal there was just a couple of color grading things that were done mm. and i think that this is what man probably would have talked about about color grading a couple of scenes slightly differently just to get to change the mood or the experience of the okay. scene, like draining some of them mm. a little bit of augmenting some of the colors. And you can and, remember like any scene. Well, the can... one that I remember is that, um, that felt a little bit washed out, but I suppose when you think mm -hmm. of the emotional resonance of what he's trying to get in the scene is the one where Breeden and Kim go up to um, his job for the first time. Oh, yeah. And I distinctly remember mm -hmm. this um, on the 35 mil print. On the 35, she has a yellow sports car with black racing stripes mm. and the car yeah. is really yellow. And when Breeden yeah. gets out of the car, he's wearing an olive or khaki, olive yes, khaki, yeah. uh, tight fitting shirt and trousers. Yep. And, very tight fitting. Yeah, yeah. very. And, and Dennis Haysbert has the most amazing ebony skin. And yeah. I just remember the contrast of the olive to his skin and the yeah. yellow and yeah. the exterior of that building. It popped. It, everything popped. And mm. in this, it was quite muted. 
And so that was okay. just one particular scene. I was like, it feels like they've augmented the color because they're trying to, I don't know whether it's like trying to make it feel a little bit like washed out, like despondent, kind of burying the lead. Last chance saloon. Like last chance of, saloon yeah. feeling, yeah. I guess. Mm. And so I think it would be really fascinating to hear him talk about that specific choice. And I guess that's where someone like me, who's a psychopath for this movie is like, I see that immediately. I'm like, oh, I see what he may be trying to do there. But I love the hope. Like of that, that pop, like it feels like, oh, he's a new character. He's being introduced. Surely yeah. this is good. And then when you get in those kitchens. And she it, would have that car. Yes. She would have a she really bright. Nice, like, she's got yeah. a bright car, yeah. right? She's the brightness yeah. in his life. And, and so, sunshine. And so I, I, I didn't, I don't, I don't prescribe as much to that, but just holistically in all the big scenes that you think they're just untouched because they're perfect. Yeah. Airport, mm -hmm. bank heist, original heist. How's, uh, how's looking out over LA? Has he? Has he cleaned that, that up at all? Is amazing. Yeah. They have done some reframing in the director's definitive edition and then tweaked it so that the that's one thing where I would say because it from looks the a bit flat in the thirty five. In looks, the thirty five, yeah. it looks flat as yeah. the green screen shots of of, of uh, Brennerman and De Niro. Or? Yeah. So the what's happened is the rear shots where it's actually the real LA lights. Real looks thing. Looks so great. amazing. Yeah. And yeah, but then those cuts cut away. The cuts are great, but those, they've done okay. something to them so that they look way more seamless. Okay. Um. So okay. They've, I even think they've kind of pivoted where the the frame is, like how they're focusing on or pushing in, just to take out mm. some of those flat edges. Yeah. Um. And it really mm. works. Like it works gangbusters. I actually lent over to Jordan at the time. Thank you for reminding me. I lent over to Jordan at the time, and I was like, I think they've re framed this. It looks freaking amazing. He's like, yeah, yeah it looks so like seamless compared yeah, to that's the. The, the only the one time when you're like, whoa, what is like, yeah. it's like, yeah. It's the obvious green screen. It's the only real obvious yeah. green screen in the film. And that's the one big regret that man has. He's like, if I had a digital camera at that time, I could have shot that night scene. I could have not even worried about the lighting. I would have used exactly the same cameras that I used behind them as I would have used in front of them. And I would yeah. have had exact, and it wouldn't be that one thing that grates me. Um, but mm. yeah, so that was, you know, really, 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 really tremendous. Um, so yeah, that's the, uh, that's, that was that screening then uh it kind of it ends and you know there was it was so weird like i was walking out of there and and i was walking with jordan and the ending as it does moves me to tears um and jordan jordan goes you're one of the only people he goes and and i wish that i still had this but in true podcasting fashion i recorded a little something after the show and it's been corrupted so i'm trying to fix the audio and if i do get it back i will release it but jordan was like you're a guy who doesn't say the lines in the movie, like in an annoying way while the movie's happening. He goes, but you consciously or unconsciously do every hand gesture that is happening yeah. on screen. Yeah. And he goes, and I didn't realize how good a hand gesture movie he is. <laughs> he's like, until you're like doing yeah. it next to yeah. me unconsciously. And he's like, oh no, actually it's like maybe the best hand gesture yeah. movie ever made. And I'm like, so <laughs> Stu's nodding and smiling because he's watched this movie so many times. He's probably done, do, we do the same thing to each other and Garth too. But um, yeah, it was amazing. We walked out of there and and then the, the, the most, one of the most heartening things ever was this, really really wonderful gesture um so the one eight minute family has obviously grown um you know exponentially and there's so many people that come up to me and so many people told me that like when when i was going to be going to this that you know that they were going to go along too which is crazy and so eve um eve is a pisces uh who is in new york city um came to the tribeca heat um screening thanked me for the show and said that during the pandemic as she was running around when she was only allowed to leave her house to exercise she was listening to one eight minute and gave me um this super yucky wes studi shirt which is written out <laughs> in 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 the heat font and it was a limited edition that just sold out almost instantaneously and she said look i've had this shirt for like three to six months but when i knew you were going to be here i feel like i have to give it to you because this is like the smallest thank you i can give you for everything you've done with the show and I just was completely blown away. And so to be at a heat screening and have people walk up to me excited that I was there to share it with them yeah. Um, yeah. was kind of amazing. And so then the end of the night was walking off into the sunset with Bilger and Sean Burns and Jordan Harper and Connor O'Donnell and uh, John Glynn and going and having a big celebratory drink and talking about how insane it was that I was in New York City watching this movie and how insane the show was and how insane the events that led up to that was. And I just think it's a... It's to, a to, to, to quote a Simpsons bit with the fluffy bunny, then comes the honeymoon. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a, it's a testament to the community that you built because it hasn't been one that's like not filled with infighting. The entire time has been uh. about 
love and what about this bit and what about that bit and I love this bit and I think yeah. that's the really that's still the fun side of sharing this passion and hobby with each other is like I really love this thing too not yeah. I love this thing to the exclusion of others or it then turns into a pissing contest with something else it's like how fucking rad is just to sit down and watch this film and everyone you watch it with everyone goes that's a fucking rad movie. Like, <laughs> I, I actually brought it up with some, I've just moved for work and I brought it up with some new people I'm working with and they're all like these young blokes just about to finish uni and they're like, they're like, we got talking about the movie Heat and they're like, really? What, that old movie? And I'm like, all right, <laughs> settle down. But then I go, look, how about you look at this podcast? And they like brought it up and they're like, wait a minute, like every minute of the, and I went, yeah, have a listen. They go, we will. And then like, you know, it's funny how, this film has a way of like nourishing this community over and over and over. And again, we've been down this a million times, but yeah. it's like, it is testament to like how much you can bring everyone together. And I'm glad I'm, I really moved. Like when you first told us you were getting man on the show and I, there yeah. was a lot of foreplay back and forth about trying to oh, make that happen. Wow. And when that <laughs> finally dropped in the inbox, that was amazing. Yeah. And this was you know, th these are the sort of special touching things that you don't want to lose sight of. And no, I, as you, you put it a while back, it's very good. This is like a bucket list thing for, for him. This is way beyond anything he would have, you could have, you know, pointed out a couple of years ago when you came up with this thing. It was like, no, wow. this is ludicrous. I had I to like, you know, you guys were there in, in that, in that room, in my house with like a six month old or whatever she was at the yeah. time. A little yeah. over six months old, and we were there. We did this thing. We had food, arguably we, we were arguably the reason it succeeded. Like there's an <laughs> there's an argument to be made. I'm, I'm not saying a particularly strong one. I, I distinctly <laughs> remember a tweet from Stu going, "I'm so glad I taught Blake about yeah. podcasting." <laughs> but I mean, you 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 would have been happy many 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 moons ago for like man's people to see the thing and disregard it. Oh, that oh, as yeah, a fan mail and go, Oh, well, at least someone attached to him has seen it and then disregarded me. Fine. But then to, to go come this way, this it's, mm. you know, and I, and I said it, I said it to Bilger. I'm like, you know, you change like, so Bilger again, boundlessly generous. I go and stay with him. He invites me as his special guest to do this. There's no way that this ha happens without Bilger. There's no way mm. that it happens at all. Um, uh, and, I said, you know, you changed my life, right? And he he was like, oh, you know, he just very dismissive, as a true mensch does. They yeah, just dismiss yeah. this stuff. And I'm like, no, you. There was a gap between, like, it was like a, a like a, a delay from the Q and A that he was doing with man at, uh, in preparation for the anniversary of the Insider. Yep. And he was mm -hmm. about to do it, and something got delayed, and so then he just saw a moment. He goes, hey, did you know that there's a podcast called One Heat Minute? Yeah. And told him the spiel that he did to De Niro and to Art Linson and to Rosenthal and 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 man, he just and the way Bilger described it to me in a text, and he actually told a few of the guys who were with on 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 the night, he's like, man, just got this giddy grin on his face, like like look at this guy, like. You do this sharp, you do that sharp. Like he mm. just saw something in my obsession and approach that really tickled him. He was like, he just smiled with it. He said he smiled with a big giddy grin. And I'm like, I brought my favorite filmmaker joy in that moment that led to that. Yeah. And it wouldn't have been without Bilga. Mm. And then again, this thing is not without Bilga. So I can't even begin to mention how thankful I am. And I said that to him and I'm like, you just keep doing it. That's why I say like the only way I can describe him is just boundlessly generous. And I think that 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 boundless generous generosity and reciprocity is like in our little one heat minute crew extended yeah. family. Yeah. Like, mm. and and so I, I'm just I'm so grateful. And meeting all these folks in person was just truly special. And like, you know, I can safely say this: I know what it's like to kiss Sean Burns on his sweaty face yeah. while he's had a few drinks. Yeah. I know what that's like. I I grabbed Jordan and. And even the guys were like, they're like, I mean, not, it's not so high on the bucket list, but it's, <laughs> it's close. It's on there. <laughs> Seven to eight. But it's, but it's like, I know I, like I saw these guys in person and that like the, one of the things they first said to me was like, you prick. I didn't know you were this tall. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I've mostly been seated this whole time. Yeah. They're like, me. they're like, your camera's up high. You trick this. You're damn tall, handsome Australian. I was like, oh, stop. But it was, you know, this is just, cr it's crazy. Like, and, 
I've had a couple of mates call me. Like I didn't get a chance. I, I was saving this conversation to happen live with you guys to be recorded. But like I said to my mates, like I, I told them these things that had happened and they're like, Oh my God, how do you feel? I'm like, I, I'm not going to process it yet. Like it's not fully hit me how big that is. Yeah. And I go one day, I, go, I even said to the guys joking the other night, I'm like, it's not going to hit me now, but like when I'm flying over the Pacific, I'm just going to cry yeah, <laughs> like <but> uncontrollably. <laughs> but it's also when you shamelessly bring it up now at like a party. Yes. When you're just like, oh yeah, De Niro, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I met him. Yeah, I met him. Hey, he knows about the podcast. <laughs> oh yeah, the, what's that? Yeah, I do have a podcast. Oh, hi, hi I'm Blake, yeah. by the way. I'm the... <laughs> You know, as a, as I, a perpetual icebreaker. Shoes, shoes, such a joke because I'm not that guy, yeah. but he's actually the guy that says, "Hey, it's my buddy. He's got that podcast. Yeah. Tell him all about I it." I will do. I'm going to do it. I'm going to uh, dine out on this. You, uh, you meeting him? People will be like, "Have you seen Meet the Fockers?" I'm like, "Yeah, I love that movie." Oh, well, my mate actually met him, and he does yeah. a podcast. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, it was a wild experience. It's very good, and you know, mm. like hopefully it means. When these guys, you know, if any of these guys come from the States down here, everyone can show them around and, you know, you'd like to see that sort of community building and it can be, you know. There's a well, there's more world. stuff happening, but that won't be for the show. I'm going to turn off the recording very shortly and I'll tell you guys some secrets off air. Ooh, very good. And what are your future Ooh. plans for Heat? Are you yeah. doing Heat 2? Are you doing... Are you doing any book stuff? Are you going to... I wanted. I originally had planned um, to maybe do a chapter-by-chapter chapter breakdown, but I've seen just in the formatting of the way that Meg Gardner and Michael Mann have put Heat 2 together that, um, I, that I think because it's traveling across timelines that yeah. there are quite chunky, short chapters, like punchy... You know, 163 several. chapters. <laughs> and I'm not doing that. Let's just be let's right out there. So I'm thinking it'll probably be like a mini series where I'll get a whole bunch of the gang together yeah. once I've read the book. I'm yeah. going to have it a few months out. So I'm going to do a lot of study and like, um, and really try and find thematic ways that we can piece this together. And it probably won't be like, it won't be each timeline because I feel like two episodes might be too brief, but um, definitely going to try and talk to Michael Mann about it. Definitely going to try and talk to Meg Gardner about it. And that's kind of already on the horizon and on the cards. Um, definitely the entire One Heat Minute family who've been a part of it are going to be a part of that show, I'm sure, throughout the life cycle of its existence. Um, and Is there any reviews in yet? Has anyone, like I've, some, it, some preliminary book, like, kind of thoughts? soft reviews. Yeah. No, I think that the, all the formalized literary reviews will probably come closer to release, yeah. but I think that, that it has been disseminated around so people are getting the vibes. And from everything, you know, from some of the people who've actually had a bit of a chance to read it and Bilger read the book and and had a copy of it at, uh, with him and, and even Sean Burns started, you know, we've been interacting because he got a copy on the night and he's been reading it. He goes, one of the greatest benefits that this thing has reading it is not only is it you know, very Michael Mann and very, you know, very good. He goes, you've got the characters yeah, in their done, voices yeah. in yeah. your head. Yeah. Yeah. So for mm. every line, he's like, and Sean's already trying to start an OnlyFans where he can just do Vincent <laughs> yeah. Hannah quotes yeah. from Heat right. 2. And, and look, I think there's money in it. Which it was sort of the failing of um, Tarantino's effort with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It was too, the, though that his writing coupled with the bodies that he casts didn't just like that, like him writing about sort of Brad Pitt being this massive, like Japanese cinema fan. I'm like, no, it wasn't <laughs> not, not that guy you've just shown us on screen. Yeah. Some he's, of it, some of yeah, it, he's not like... going cruising for foreign cinema and keeping diaries about stuff. That's like, no, he was, some of it was a stretch. Like, like yeah. I think, I think he was, he almost like kind of rewrote some of the characters and some of the characters that were the funnest in that Tarantino reread. We had like the Steve McQueen character, yeah. He was in it for like two seconds. And I, I wasn't thinking of, I wasn't thinking of what if, what's his name? Garth, the guy, Damien, what's his face? Lewis. Damien Lewis. I wasn't thinking yeah, oh, yeah. of Damien Lewis. I was thinking of Steve McQueen. I still think, not to go off topic, but I still think Tarantino intentionally wrote that book so he could say the film was better than the book. <laughs> <laughs> that's, but that's my that's your hot conspiracy take. theory. Hot takes here. One hot take. Can I ask, sure. can I ask with um, the novel, is it a long novel? Yeah, um, uh, actually... What I'm going to do, Sue's going to jump up for us while we're doing this. This is live. This is live theater. It is uh, here. It is 470 odd pages, um, 466 pages. Is that the large print or the small? They're coming, <laughs> no, they're coming in two types. You can buy it in two types. 
Um, There's two versions. So this this is um, like what it's called an advanced reader's edition. It's not for sale or it's a galleys, I think is what they call it. Um, yeah. There will be a hard copy that comes out, but this galleys version that I've received here is about 400 and sort of 60 odd pages um, with a few acknowledgements from man and and those things there. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, um, you know, it's, it's definitely. By some, the pool, take a week off and. Oh, I, I'm, I, <laughs> I just, I have just come out of. Um, I've just come out of like my masters and, you know, I, I, I'm absolutely sick of reading things I didn't want to read anymore. Yep. And so I've been reading some <laughs> other great books and, you know, read the poppy crime novel from Candace Fox. I read Norm Macdonald's non-biography, biography, autobiography, which is just a, a scream. Um, and, and so I just decided that like, I'm going to just binge the living daylights out of this book. And it's going to look like a university book. Like yeah, it's going to yeah, yeah. have dog eared and tabbed, dog eared, tabbed yeah. scribbles in the margins. Yeah. I'm going to just unusual li- stains. Yeah. <laughs> Some stains. Um, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to pour over it and, uh, and, and really go, go to town and then try and figure out a way. I mean, look, the evolution of our show, the greatest thing about one heat minute was the format and the way that we could pour over individual minutes and pour ourselves into it and enrich our own experience of it with people pouring themselves into it. So for me with a novel, because that is again, this other great subjective lens, it's just finding great little perspectives and viewpoints to bring people in to have those conversations. But our shows have evolved. Like if you listen to Zodiac now, you know, and you listen to Josie in the podcast yeah. and you even listen to Miami nice, which is going through similar things. It's like, we have a different style and, and this will find its yeah, own it style. But even turn, it's like, it just like a, you know, like a Brady Bunch style book club. Yeah. Meet. Like, you know, you can have five or six people discussing it. Absolutely. So we'll, we'll do multiple kind of ep- episodes about sections of the book with different yeah. people talking, sometimes joint groups and it'll weave into the next thing. And, and so, yeah, I'll figure out a way to do it by the time we get there. And I've got plenty of time to get that done and plenty of interviews lined up. And so as soon as a lot of, you know, and again, and now I know a stack of people who've got early copies of the book, um, who are part of the yeah, one family yeah. that will have it. And, and so once that, most all of them ha- can't read, but you know, like they've got it. Sean Burns can't read. Um, um, but yeah, so very, very good, um, stuff there. And yeah, just, it's going to be incredible, um, to, to talk about again. And then, you know, we'll, We'll try and wrap it up with a, a Mr. Man chat again if uh, if we can throw that out into the universe. So I think that that's not not an impossible feat at this point. Um, and and then we'll go from there and move on to other things. Move on to I like how lackadaisical you are there. With the, it's not an impossible feat just to get Michael Mann on here again. <laughs> a year ago, you would or two years ago, sorry, you'd be like, oh, I could ne- it could never happen. It I couldn't happen. imagine. But I'm I'm just saying it's like I couldn't imagine that it happened. And, mm. but now that it has, and for this, it feels like, oh, this could happen and that's okay. And of course, you know, the, the horniest modern Michael Mann oeuvre campfire of Miami nice still, you know, hums along mm. and us talking about those things. We've got fun <laughs> things coming up with black hat. We've got, uh, you know, our live uh, screening of the hacker cut of black hat coming up. We've got, we've been talking to such amazing people around all things, Miami, night, Tokyo nice, uh, which is the Tokyo vice show, mm-hmm. Miami nice stuff. We've got great guests. And so still talking about Michael Mann, but we've got other projects on the boil. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, w- I want to do this and, and uh, work on our current audio documentary, basically a podcaster and commander. I want to get that, setting sail mm. very soon because the oceans are battlegrounds and I'm, ahoy, excited ahoy, get, yes. I'm excited to get there gentlemen thank you so much our pleasure thank you so much yep. for getting drunk with me at sydney film festival which you would be doing <laughs> most years yeah missed and, it this year well, this, this is year. this is what it was about five years ago oh yeah nearly five years ago yeah wow yeah Holy yeah shit five years ago yeah. <laughs> it is five years ago yeah, 2017. You're waiting yeah. for a check. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I love this guy. I love these guys. <laughs> He's the guy who, like, lifts me up and then takes great pleasure, like an Easter show, like, woodchopper to just chop me down in record speed. It feels like whiplash. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking J.K. Simmons over here. J.K. Simmons. Jesus. Um Garth Franklin, thank you so much. No problem. Um, if uh, you want to debunk that, I won't. Uh, I can take direct quotes mm. uh, about the ridiculousness that is now Timothy Chalamet doing heat. So uh, and all these people that are writing like it's a fact uh, are insane. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll write up a story tonight. No problem. Pat- patently insane, Stu. Mm. 
Great to see you, as always. Pleasure, as always. Good to do it in person. Great to do it in person. I wish Mr. G-Man, if he wasn't on uh, a COVID lockdown, could have been here. But we'll, mm. we'll find more excuses to talk very oh, soon. Oh, we've got a, you know what, screening's coming up and so on. I'll see you very soon, I think. All right. Well, love to you guys. For all you guys listening, thank you so much for everything that you guys do. Thanks for all your support. It's immense. And, uh, and you know, uh, despite the... Uh, despite the 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 jests that we talk, um, uh, I know that these guys are incredibly. Um, uh, what these guys have done for me, um, they're incredibly proud of me as my mates, and they and they encourage me to do all this crazy nonsense together. And I'm so grateful for them to continue to be part of the crazy nonsense that I do. And um, and uh, we love you guys, and thank you so much to this whole the whole one heat minute family and extended family for everything. Um, we just look forward to to keep me to produce this stuff that you guys love to to listen to and engage with and yeah the, the tale on this thing is just so special so thank you so much for being a part of it Hi, this is Blake Howard, host and producer of One Heat Minute Productions podcast. We dive into the great and underappreciated cinematic works, often one minute or one scene at a time. Our crew of guests are some of the most wonderful filmmakers, writers, authors, and critics ever assembled. Our shows include One Heat Minute, Josie and the Podcats, All the President's Minutes, Increment Vice, and right now, Zodiac Chronicle. Check out oneheatminute.com or find us wherever you get your podcasts.